Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. For over 60 years, East Central Illinois' daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join in on the phone, online, or via text. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to a penny for your thoughts here as we start a brand new week here. First full week of the month of October. Had a little sunshine pop through there briefly, but for the most part expecting some uh, showers today along the way at a high of 76. Good to have you with us here on our Monday morning quarterback show as we do throughout the Illini athletic season. We've got basketball not far off here in less than uh, three weeks. They'll be playing some exhibition basketball, and then the season starting about a month from now, the regular season. Football, of course, a win over Charlotte over the weekend, 24-14. Chase Brown with a huge day, historic day, really, rushing the football. So we'll get into that. All the Big Ten games coming up this weekend, including a big one in Iowa City, Lauren Tate. Penn State at Iowa. Yeah, that's a big wow. one. Two top five, two top four teams, huh? Yep, three versus four. So, we'll who are keep... you picking? I have no idea. I would go with the Hawkeyes at home, I well, think. Would it be close? They don't make mistakes. They don't. And they play tough. They really play tough defense. I don't know. I uh, Penn State's also – it's a toss-up as far as I can see. I, I, I can't pick a team, but I guess I'll be pulling for Iowa. So we have uh, plenty to talk about with that. We'll get into more of that. All the other Big Ten games uh, this weekend. A lot of teams in the top 25 got beat. They did. At least week. six in the top 15. Mm-hmm. Went down. Before you say anything, you know, you brought up Chase uh, Brown. He had a terrific – he made – the 31-yard run was really good. But you know what I keep seeing? I keep seeing 65 Kramer involved in his blocking. I keep seeing low on that left side. When they go left, there's something happening there. And 82's out there, too, forward. And I think they're getting some really good blocking on the left side in particular, up, up the middle and on the left side. I don't see it as much on the right side over, over the season. There's been a lot of good runs off that left side. And Julian Pearl's getting good at pushing the pile. Hey, Ju- <laughs> hey listen, Pearl's going to be good now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he, I'm not too sure. I guess Kramer's our best lineman, but I was going to say for, uh, that Pearl might be. Mm-hmm. He, he really has made a difference since he got in there. Well, we will need all of those guys Saturday Ooh. against Wisconsin. Well, <laughs> you just can't run against Wisconsin. Did you did you see how many yards uh, Notre Dame got against Wisconsin? Rushing, yeah, it's three yards. Three <laughs> <laughs> out of out of uh, eight. What was it? Thirty-two runs. They netted three yards, yeah. and they won going away. I know, which is a strange. Well, game. that's what happens when you have two interceptions or. Let's see, two interception returns and a kick return, right? For a touchdown for Notre yeah. Dame, yeah. So anyway, we'll talk about all of that. Your thoughts on the win over Charlotte. Uh, Brett Bielma, after the game, was talking about it. He said, hey, you know, it's a nice win, but we didn't come here to beat Charlotte. We came, came here, here to, to win, beat Wisconsin, be, to beat Big Ten games. So, <laughs> and that's what we have left. What so. do you think his feelings are right now about? I don't who, know about Wisconsin. You, you think you'll get you'll find out this week, or is he going to hide that? My guess is he's not going to say a lot about it. I don't, and think he probably so should, shouldn't. I mean, it's yeah. not his current job, but I know that uh, the media in Wisconsin, I'm sure, will be By talking about it. By the way, and I'm repeating myself, but Wisconsin in the last 19 games is nine and ten. 
And do you know what it dates to? You know what James it dates McCord's to. James McCord's field goal? Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. They were 0-1 at that point, and they've gone 9-10 since then. And they've lost some games now. They've lost some. There's, this is not. They've, they've made mistakes that they didn't used to make. The one thing about a, a solid defensive team with a good running game is usually pretty controlled. They don't make turnovers. They don't have kick returns. They don't have interception returns. But this, this Wisconsin team is, is error prone, is mistake prone. They have had Illinois' number over the years. Oh, and sure. And Brett Bielema was a part of that. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't know, what is it, 17 and Ever 2 or something? Ever since Alvarez. Yeah. Yeah. 17, I think, of the last 19. Wisconsin By the way, it's Alvarez won. Field now. Did you see that? I saw that. Not Camp Randall anymore. And Michigan looks pretty good to me. Well, I think so, yeah. I think Michigan's 5-0. and oh. And, you know, they got two quarterbacks, and I, McNamara is the starter. But that J.J. McCarthy, he's a former Illinois guy, you know, He's uh, before he moved down to IMG. And uh, he's got a, a magical arm, you know, a five-star arm. So they've got one, two quarterbacks, and they brought they actually brought McCarthy in in the second half of that game against Wisconsin, and they they used both quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and and the one guy McNamara's kind of runs the team, and then McCarthy comes in to show off his arm. So we'll talk about all of the Big Ten games, lots of those to talk about, some upsets in the top twenty-five NFL games. Brady returns to New England last night and uh, gets a win. Got some numbers on him. The Bears win. Yeah, I don't know what changed with the offense, but well, man. I I think you're playing Detroit. I think does, well, that, does helps. that have anything to do with it? <laughs> that does help. Yeah, I I thought that the, the uh, toothless lions. The defense yeah. was solid, and and uh, they got they got some good play out of fields. Mm-hmm. He's he's going to be okay. He's he really quick. Really, and he throws a really good ball too. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, if yeah. they give him time to throw it, there's a reason why they drafted him where they did, <laughs> and they sure did. And the Major League Baseball playoffs is always one of my favorite weeks with the playoffs getting started. And the I've Cardinals been, get I've to been face I've been a nervous the... wreck for about a month. And you know why. Thinking about this one game. No, yeah, yeah. one game, but, but this one pitcher. Scherzer. Scherzer. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, how do you beat Scherzer? I've watched him pitchers. You can't beat him. <laughs> He's murder. Well, it's the Cardinals and the Dodgers, yep. and then if they get past that, they play the Giants. So I, was play really, I was really pulling for a tie yesterday. <laughs> you know, one more, one more loss for the Giants, and they would have been in a, in a playoff, what, today? Yeah, for game with, 163. With Scherzer pitching for the, for the right. Dodgers, and then I don't care after that. And do you <laughs> realize that if, that if that had happened, none of their top three pitchers would have been available for the Cardinals? Mm-hmm. You were you were pulling for that? Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, that'll be fun. And the Dodgers won 106 games and finished second. <laughs> That's never uh, happened the, before. The Blue Jays won 91 and just get nosed out at the finish. So uh, yeah, this will be this will be fun. And the White Sox get the Astros this week, so that'll be an interesting series. And yeah, nine thirteen. Where we're going to try to uh, this morning. I I've been texting this week with Jason Benetti, who does the White Sox yeah. games and also does ESPN and. Uh, he apologized last night. I was going to try to have him on this morning, but he is flying to Boston to do the Red Sox-Yankees game oh, tomorrow boy. for ESPN. How big is that? So he's going to be on with us next Monday when we get a little week into the playoffs. So we'll try to get him on, and Jason's a really good guy. And uh, The one. loser of that one game is done. That's right, <laughs> between those two teams. And they don't like each other very much. <laughs> All right, so a lot to get to here this morning. 217-356-9397. Text line is 217-351-5357. And you can email us, talk at wdws.com. 
And we've got Illinois-Wisconsin, homecoming week, of course, at the University of Illinois. All the big games to talk about, the playoffs, the NFL, etc. Wednesday, we'll have Justice Robert Steigman with us. Doug Quick, who just recently retired, will be with us on Thursday. 914, back with Lauren here for a full two hours. Your thoughts here on Illinois, the Bears, playoffs, whatever you want to get into here on this Monday morning. All the way down to the 31-yard line of Charlotte. Chase Brown approaching 100 yards. He gets the handoff here. Up the middle he goes. 25, 20, 15 to the 10, 5. Still going. Touchdown! Touchdown, Chase Brown. 31 yards. He refuses to go down. He broke three or four tackles. And plowed his way into the end zone. Touchdown, Illinois. That was a 31-yard touchdown run by Chase Brown. That a good run. It really was. I uh, when he got away from the guy at the line of scrimmage, that's what kind of he popped away from that. But uh, did you think they were trying to paw the ball from him? Yes. They're supposed to tackle him near the goal line. I thought Charlotte was doing that a lot. Uh-huh. Always trying to knock the ball out. Yeah. As I looked at it the second time, I realized that that's part of the reason they didn't bring him down is they they weren't trying to tackle him. And there were a couple of times the pile was moving. Oh, different man. runs. Well, that's where, linemen too. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know that's you said uh, Pearl. There, there's guys in there pushing. I didn't. You know, there was a time you couldn't do that. Now, mm-hmm. uh, you we're seeing a lot of quarterback sneaks on the one yard line or fourth and one, where the quarterback will start to sneak, and then all of a sudden you got two or three big old tight ends or or fullbacks running mm-hmm. in behind and just pushing him over the line. That's happening all the time now. That's a regular play. Yeah, to push him across. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wisconsin comes in. They do a lot of uh, heavy packages. Illinois is doing a lot of heavy packages with tight ends and running yeah. along the left side. So yeah. there'll be a lot of men in the box yeah, this weekend. I, I Illinois is, uh, clearly has three pretty good tight ends. Really good catch by Barker over the middle for that touchdown. Mm-hmm. By the way, that was a that was just inches away from being deflected. Just an inch or two. Oh, away. yeah. In fact, Martin a, O'Donnell almost, thought it was intercepted, he thought, initially. Well, it you was know, a perfect and, pass, yeah. really. I mean, and the interesting part about that is that Isaiah Williams, I don't know if Isaiah Williams is, is a, is he a legal receiver? Because <laughs> he was standing out there wide open on the right-hand side. And uh, he threw the tougher, he threw the much tougher uh, uh, receiver, but mm-hmm. uh, it worked. But there were several times where Isaiah, the, the two-yard pass to the tight end, uh, uh, Ford mm-hmm. on the right hand. If you look just beyond Ford, there's Isaiah standing down there wide open about 10 yards past him. Just wide open. I, from what I understand, uh, just listening, reading social media, the TV commentators were pointing that out. Oh, really? Apparently that Peters had missed some oh, open he, receivers. I mean, oh, where he, he did, did not see them. Yeah. He just physically didn't see them. All game long. This, the guy coming out of the backfield for Illinois very often – is open for a swing pass if you want to give it to him, and it's it's worth yardage, and they've used that a few times, but it'll it, it's it's there for more plays, but I'm not saying it'll be there for against uh, Wisconsin. But here's the thing, we absolutely know about the Wisconsin game coming up, the homecoming game. You're going to have to pass the ball. Somebody's going to have to complete passes. They are not going to let you run, based on the on the last three games that I mean the three games that I've got written down here. Notre Dame, as you mentioned, ran 32 times for three yards. Penn State ran 18 times for 50 yards. And Michigan, 
Even in dominating the game, ran 43 times for 112, which is 2.6 per carry. You're just not – I mean, they're going to pile it up there on that line, and they don't believe Illinois can – they know Illinois can run, and they don't think Illinois can pass, so what are they going to do? They're going to pack it in. You bet. Yeah. And Wisconsin lost all three of those games, yeah. interestingly yeah. enough. So. Yeah. All right, uh, let's see here, 217-356-9397. So Illini fans, you can weigh in. Cardinal fans, White Sox fans, as you get ready for the, the postseason here. A couple of trends for Illinois, then we'll get to some calls here. Uh, Chase Brown, 257 yards, fourth most in Illini history. Uh, the Illini in the last two games, passing, going back to passing, have thrown for 78 and 100 yards in the last two games. Ooh. They've rushed for 336 and 175 in those two. Well, in all fairness, uh, Saturday they didn't need to pass as much because mm-hmm. the running game was really working. That 80-yard run by Chase Brown really opened things up for, in, in terms of the way you play the rest of the way you play the rest of the fourth quarter. And uh, the other note was Illinois' defense has held opponents to the last three games, 131, 38, and 72 rushing yards in the last three games and only 20, 13, and 14 points. By the way, did you hear Keith Randolph uh, Twitter? Twitter? He's going to move to cornerback, he said, after making that interception. <laughs> That's the first uh, what's the first lineman to intercept a pass since, what, 2014, uh, was 12, it? I think. 2012? Mike, Michael okay. Buchanan. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. It's been that long. Yeah. So anyway, that was pretty interesting note as well. And uh, Mike Pearson has some good, interesting Illinois-Wisconsin notes in the News Gazette in the Sunday edition. You can check that out. I'll maybe amble through that here as we go along. Let's uh, go to the phones here at 923, see what Carl has for us. How you doing, Carl? Hi. Uh, well, Brett Bielema is at 99 wins now after Charlotte. Uh, I looked it up to see what Illinois coaches in their careers, not at Illinois necessarily, who ha- have over 100 wins. And uh, both Bob Blackman and Bob uh, Zipke both have a hundred over 100 wins. Zepke did it here at Illinois. But there's a third guy who has over 100 wins, and you won't believe who it is. Okay. Lou Tepper. Okay. He, coached, he has 101. What was that? He coached at Pennsylvania. What was the name of the school that he coached at? Um, well, he Pen- coached at Edinburgh and Indiana. Pennsylvania. Uh, of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Division Two, but so it kind of surprised me when I looked it up and he had 101. Mm-hmm. Mike White, uh, uh, John Makovic, and uh, Ray Elliott have just have, are like two or three games short of winning uh, 100 in their careers. Hmm. Well, thanks for looking at. But I was just curious Carl. about that, and so I. Interesting you numbers. You know me. I gotta. Yeah. Gotta find the weird statistics. Very good. But, hey. Thank you, Carl. Alrighty. Appreciate Bye. it. The single game rushing uh, yardage, by the way, fourth all time, the other day, two fifty seven for Chase Brown. Mikel Ashore had three hundred and thirty in that one way game at Wrigley Field back in twenty ten. Robert Holcomb against Minnesota. 315 in 1996. Howard Griffith against Northwestern in 1990, 263. Uh, Jim Grabowski now got bumped out of the number four spot, 239 against Wisconsin in November of 64. Red Grange at Pennsylvania, October 
31, 19, 25, had 237. Rocky Harvey against Middle Tennessee, 215. Richard Mendenhall against Indiana in 07, 214. Reggie Corbin against Minnesota, 2018, had 213 yards. Red Grains against Michigan, we all remember that one, 1924, he had 212 yards. And Howard Griffith against Southern Illinois, the uh, eight-touchdown game, had 208 yards. So those are some of the, the all-time performances on the ground for Illinois football. And we've had, what, uh, McCray go for 156 one week and 257 yep. for Brown. So yep. ha- having those two guys together makes a difference. Yeah, McCray uh, did fumble. It's the only mm-hmm. fumble in the last three games. And down on the seven-yard line, he was looking good again. And, uh, of course, it, this was just simply Chase Brown's game, as it turned out. But both those guys are going to help. And the one thing we don't want to jinx is the special teams. But they, you think about it, and you pointed this out this morning, we've had McCord just booms it out every time. There's been no hardly any kick returns. Well, I, 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 I'll repeat what I said to you. I watched the, the uh, Florida-Kentucky uh, game, and Florida blocked a um, – I'm sorry, Kentucky blocked a Florida punt and returned it for a touchdown. I mean that turns games around. That changed that won that game for them. There are things like that happening all over and it's not happening to Illinois because our kickoff guy and our punter are so good. I mean they're they're the best maybe we've ever had. I it's pretty close. You can argue. I can't think of anybody. Well, I mean, you know, they're, they're, we've had some a, good, as a combo. Yeah, we've had well, good kicker, we've right. had good place kickers, and we've had good punters. But but nobody's returning kicks on Illinois. Nobody's return kickoffs i mean every kickoff is is out not only just out of the they're completely out of the end zone and uh, you know i saw a kickoff uh, just a week ago i saw i'm not, i'm going to forget who it was but i saw a kickoff return that changed the football game and those are the things that happen i mean uh, and they don't happen to illinois illinois's got maybe as good a special teams as we've ever had Illinois-Wisconsin this week. Uh, Mike Pearson uh, references some interesting historic games. Uh, talks about Mike White's domination of Wisconsin. They won 7 of 8 at one stretch. That, yeah. was, of course, was pre-Barry Alvarez. Yeah. Uh, Brett Bielema lost only once to Illinois during his run year, a tenure at Wisconsin. Came in 2007, 31-26. Illinois won that one. Uh, it goes back all the way to 1895. The first two, uh, the first time the two schools battled on the field ended in a 10-10 tie <laughs> in Madison. First-year coach George Huff, Illini players were thrilled to return home with a tie against the previously undefeated Badgers. The Daily Gazette story said the Illinois boys feel confident that had it not been for the slugging and the injuries resulting therefrom, <laughs> they could have carried off an undisputed victory. However, to have tied the Wisconsin team on its own grounds is accepted among football people as a substantial victory. <laughs> this is a handsome result at any rate and gives cause for rejoicing among the boys. <laughs> rejoicing among the boys for a tie. How about okay. that? <laughs> October 26, 1895. I uh, got a text here. Baseball-wise, uh, you talked about Max Scherzer. They say that Max Scherzer's had two bad games in his last two starts. Oh, good. So can he get a third <laughs> one? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it's just, it's so interesting to me because in baseball, as you know, Lauren, one game playoff. Oh, heck I mean, the Diamondbacks, who finished so bad, could beat the Dodgers head to head one game. Absolutely, one game it doesn't matter. Yeah, the worst teams are forty percent. The best teams are sixty percent. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's the way it is. But uh, the Cardinals uh, do go in playing well, they sure and it'll be Wainwright on the hill Wednesday. Yeah, this is his, this is big opportunity. And, again, if they win that one, they get the Giants. Tampa Bay awaits the winner of Boston and New York. Red Sox get to host the Yankees at Fenway Park. 
All right, got some more texts and emails that have come in. Uh, well, some on attendance, I think. Here we've got some on recruiting, and of course, basketball isn't that far off either for the men and women. The men's uh, and women's uh, coaches held a media day late last week. Had a chance to be around them for the first time in a while. Nine thirty. Let's get a break in here. Lauren and I return with you till eleven on a Monday morning quarterback show here on a penny for your thoughts. Justice Steigman at midweek. Doug Quick on Thursday. Illini Friday as we get ready for homecoming at the end of the week. Back in a moment. Their families, their friends, their uh, uh, you know all the people that love them uh, get to enjoy this today. But obviously, didn't come here to play Charlotte and win win this type of game. Right, came here to win Big Ten games, and that's what we have in front of us. You know, we knew uh, coming into the game that they ruled out Jake Hansen and uh, uh, Spoon uh, before the game. So, uh, again, to have guys step up into those roles, we knew they'd find them. They tried to target them. I thought Ryan did a really nice job at halftime making adjustments, making them play left-handed. I thought the quarterback, he was kind of the glue to everything. And once we kind of took him out of the game, uh, and then our offense took over rushing the football. And this is the first game, right, to chase. And uh, Josh McCray have practiced all week together and go into a game plan together. And hopefully this is a little bit of what you can see. All right, those are the thoughts of Brent Bielema after the um, win over Charlotte. And we'll hear more from him today at the uh, weekly press conference. If you uh, need some uh, repair done on your vehicle, of course, Dave Miller and Bill Gallo are very passionate about the Gallo Miller Paint and Collision Repair full-service repair facility. But the big dance for the little dings doesn't matter. They'll work with all the insurance companies to ensure your vehicle's return to factory safety specifications. Nobody around has experienced dealing with insurance companies then Dave Miller, before starting Gallo Miller, Bill Gallo ran body shops for other owners in the area. So if you have an accident involved in one of those, you're a bit discombobulated anyway, uh, just hand them the keys. Don't worry. They remove the stress about repairing your vehicle. So give them a call. Reach out to them. Go to gallomiller.com or stop by and see them. Get a free estimate on uh, maybe some work you need done, maybe a paint job as well. South side of I-74 between the Neal and Prospect exits. All right, uh, Wisconsin, the opponent coming in here on Saturday at 2.30. Just reading some of the Wisconsin articles. Barry Alvarez Day, of course, they lost to Michigan, uh, 38-17. to The uh, greatest gift they write he would have received on his own day would have been for Barry Alvarez, would have been for the underperforming 2021 Wisconsin football team to finally show some of the characteristics of an Alvarez-coached outfit. So... They were disappointed. What do you think has happened with with Wisconsin? It, it just seems like uh, offensively they're a little bit uh, stagnant. Is that a fair mm-hmm. word? Especially in the red zone. Yeah, they just had. They I, just I had don't trouble. think they have a. I think that I don't think they have a passing game to offset their sudden inability to just dominate with a, a, the powerhouse running game. They don't have a, a Dane or a, or a Gordon or. A, a bell or who you know they don't have that super running back right now and i i don't know if that's it as much as the line play i mean after watching you know i tried to watch those runs by um, chase brown and the line has an awful lot to say about that they have an awful lot to say <laughs> you, you got to pop him through there and then he can do things but but wisconsin was always able to get people through the line the Badgers are 1-3 and three for the first time since 1990. Mm-hmm. That was Alvarez's first season. Yeah. They've lost eight straight to ranked opponents. You mentioned the 9-10 and 10 record since that Illinois game a couple of years ago. Uh, the, they couldn't help 
the uh, Wisconsin players heard the boos in the first half. I bet. They couldn't help but look around with nine-plus minutes left in the game and notice how many empty seats there were there on a day when the announced attendance was 74-855. Uh, the place had pretty much cleared out by then. The Badgers have only led for two minutes and 23 seconds of a possible 180 minutes in their three <laughs> losses this year. No kidding. Yeah. That's quite a number. They've been outscored 51-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter the last two weeks. And um, this is fair enough. They say uh, Chris is right. He says, I want to take it, not project it on the kids. Most of the blame, this writer says, has to be placed on his shoulders. He's a loyal man, but that allegiance is going to be put to the test in the near future as UW keeps taking steps back. So anyway, he, that's uh, some of the... Um, Chris is a guy that doesn't really impress you with his personality. Mm-hmm. But he's been so successful up to the last, you know, up to the Illinois game uh, a couple of years ago. You know, I, I just, uh, I'm not sure. I, the other thing that you brought up was how the fans left. The fans are going to stay for the teams that win, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, I, and one of the things that impressed me about watching a lot of different football after the Illinois game Saturday when I went home is that how, how impressive some of those crowds are. I mean, just really, I mean, you, you see what's going on at Penn State. You see what's going on at Nebraska. I mean, even though Nebraska's not winning, they're still showing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was packing them in, and you know, and and I thought the note. I thought that I said this before. I, the Kentucky crowd won the game over Florida because they were so loud and and so in, uh, they were interrupting Florida's signals so bad. Uh, Florida had. Seven times they jumped. It was really key stuff. You know, it'd be third down and two, and they jump. You know, and and all of a sudden they had to punt. I mean, they really affected the outcome of the game. Speaking of crowds, a texter says the uh, Gazette printed an attendance figure of thirty thousand for Saturday. That was the announced figure. I thought I heard Lawrence say he thought around ten thousand. Well, I'm claim. talking about butts and seats. Mm-hmm. Is the claim number for tickets sold? Is oh yeah. Question. Well, tickets sold is one thing. Look. The the threat of rain chased off everybody out of Grange Grove, and 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 we just had a lot of people that stayed home. The threat of rain. It didn't rain uh, during the game. Yeah, it was a perfect because the sun came out. During the, the game. It was a perfect game, but but the threat of rain chased a whole bunch of people away. And I tried to count them, but you can't count when they're that spotty. But I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm guessing in the na- what do you think? Na- neighborhood of ten thousand? Yeah, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to tell from where I'm at. Yeah, well, it's hard for me to tell from where I'm at. But I count uh, the upper deck on the other side. I tried mm-hmm. to count, and then some of the in in the horseshoe, you're missing two thirds of the people, and you miss two thirds of of the students. Mm-hmm. I I figured that out about thirty percent uh, showed up, and I, I, that's, I, I, that's the thing that makes it so hard to be successful here as a coach because when you bring recruits in and they look around and they see a spotty turnout and then they go to Iowa the next week and then they go to Purdue and see 52,000 people over there for the Illinois game or they go you know to Ohio State or Michigan or I mean where they're packing them in and mm-hmm. and Wisconsin has been packing them in I mean it's just it's altogether different I don't think you can be successful Unless you can get the fans back, and you can't get the fans back unless you're successful. Unless you Did start I just, winning. Yeah. Which, which comes first, mm-hmm. the chicken or the egg? Yeah. Well, I uh, know that, that winning comes first. The fans won't come first. You have to win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, a couple of disappointing close losses. 
Well, yeah. You know, but and then you look overall too, though, at some of the progress that's been made. You think about on defense, how much better oh, yeah, they're playing. But, but you're talking, you're what you're talking about is a is a season. What I'm talking about is a decade of what it would take to get everybody back on board again. It, it, it can't be done with just a few games. Even if we won the Purdue game, even if we won the Maryland game, what we've seen is a steady decline from 60,000 to 35,000 on average. That's a loss of 25,000 fans, and we've lost all those season ticket holders. And you, you, you in order to package you got to have season ticket holders the x number might show up we had a really good turnout at purdue that showed up on game day right. maybe six or seven thousand people they, they're telling me oh we're going to have forty five thousand for this game well they had 52 mm-hmm. but uh there's more enthusiasm at purdue right now for football than there is at illinois and and it shouldn't be that way well there is a lot of enthusiasm for basketball oh yeah for illinois basketball and, and, and you see it in in, in the turnout we're going to have mm-hmm. packed houses every game mm-hmm even the exhibition games, I'm guessing, I would think will draw so. pretty well. Yeah, I, I, they'll, they'll get a lot of people. I uh, got another text here. It says, Brandon Peters has a propensity for throwing those swing passes too late. Yep. The receiver catches it and gets nailed. Well, yeah. he, he's got to have better identification. That is a big factor with him. He's got a good enough arm. He has made some bad passes, but mostly he, he'll get the ball there if he just makes the right decision. And it's, it's interesting because... He hasn't. He hasn't had a, a receiver, a single receiver, jump out this year at all. I mean, Isaiah Williams has caught some balls, but not. He hasn't been able to break runs like I thought he might be with his speed and, and cleverness. And they did throw deep to Span. They missed him. They threw yeah, deep to Carlos Sandy, and they missed him. But, barely underthrown yeah. to, to Span. He was open, and he was going to catch that ball, and the. And the defender closed fast and, and just got a piece of it. And again, as you said, once the game, once uh, the 80-yard touchdown run happened, then it was all going to be running from that point on. Yeah, we, so. we, we could control the line of scrimmage. Our, our guys, our offensive line, that's their best game. Now, maybe because Charlotte had their, didn't have a very good defensive line, but our offensive line really performed in that game. Texter says this is the worst Wisconsin team in 30 years. They have been 1-3 since 1990, which we pointed out. Yeah, The quarterback is very questionable with an injury. Mertz just hasn't really been the same. Well, he got hit in the chest in this yeah. game and taken to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So. so we don't know what his status is. No, we don't. For the game. He had the great game a year ago to open the year in a 45-7 mm-hmm. Wisconsin win up in Madison, but uh, really hasn't matched anywhere close to those kind of numbers. No. Nope. Since then, and that's been he's been interception prone too. I, I've got the numbers in uh, in front of me, and I've lost them at the moment. But they've had several interceptions. I'm going to guess the team that passes best Saturday is going to win. Yeah, the team that pass and so far, and I, I I would say that Illinois has run up against a, a really st- tremendous string of quarterbacks. I thought that uh, I thought Reynolds was really good for Charlotte. Didn't you? I mean, I thought he yeah. was. He he did everything right. He did, he just you know he threw the two touchdown passes. He he had them going pretty good. And if you go back, I mean, uh, Armstrong of Virginia leads the nation in passing. Mm-hmm. And you had uh, Martinez. Martinez. What did he do to Northwestern? He's fifty six points Saturday. Shoot him up. Yeah. And Frank Harris of UTSA was really good against Illinois. And I thought uh, I get this wrong. Tong Tongalea. 
Tonga Valoa. Tonga Valoa. Tonga Valoa. He was awfully good for Maryland. Although he he's had some other he he wasn't so good Saturday against the, <laughs> no he wasn't so good against Saturday. Iowa yeah. Friday that was a yeah. Friday night game yeah yep yep yeah Ohio State blew out Rutgers over the weekend Michigan State is unbeaten they beat Western Kentucky Michigan pulled away from Wisconsin Penn State beat Indiana Minnesota wins at Purdue and again Nebraska just uh, smothered Northwestern in Lincoln big game this weekend Penn State at Iowa Northwestern is really performing poorly. They had a defensive coordinator there for years. I think his name was Hankwitz. Remember him? Mm-hmm. I may have the name wrong, but he they were always I know good. who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And he retired a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, and I and he's they don't they haven't resolved their defense since he left. Nine fifty at DWS. Let's go to the phones here real quick. Scott, how you doing, Scott? Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Good. You know. I, I come to think, I was just in Michigan, uh, the stadium, three weeks ago, and uh, just to observe uh, a little bit of the 9-11, uh, and it was packed. It was 109,000 people, and it's just really hard to compare uh, crowds of Illinois football or anybody that's middle or lower half of the Big Ten with anybody like that. It, it just was, the atmosphere was just incredible, and just the tailgating was miles and miles of tailgating. It's just it's hard to do that. I mean, the upper echelons of the Ohio States and Penn States and the whiteouts. This was a yellow out. It just it, it, just forget about that stuff. That that's impossible to try to replicate, especially for a program like Illinois. And I'm I'm a pretty much a, an optimist when it comes to that. But for us to even replicate that would be near impossible if ever. Um, but with that said, I I kind of wondered. How much of this is kind of the apathy of the Chicago alumni? We have a huge base of alumni in Chicago that when we're not winning or we're not producing an actual good uh, team, they're just going to do some other things. They're just not going to travel two and a half hours to watch us barely beat a team like Charlotte. And and I, I, I'm kind of interested in what you think about that as well, Lauren. Well, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I, the wins have to come. If you if you had a, a successful team like, let's say, Notre Dame or Michigan, or you would or you would draw the the fans from the big cities. I mean, Michigan's going to draw fans from Detroit because Michigan's really good. And you know, when I say really good, at least they're competitive to win win games all the time. They haven't been as successful under Harbaugh as they'd like to be, but that background with Bo Schembechler, uh, that really uh, that really set them up for a lot of success. They they added a lot of they 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 have had a continuation of attendance. It's never broken down. So I I don't know how we'll ever I don't know how you'll ever recruit without attendance because the athletes see that. And I don't know how you can how you're going to win without the athletes. It's it, we're we're in a fix. But I, I do think that we got the right guy to try and, and do it, and I, I, I'm not sure that he's going to be successful, but I think he's got a better chance than most coaches. And I'm talking about Bielema. Well, first, yeah, first of all, I think Bielema, I think people, you know, are, if they give him a fair shake, I mean, first of all, he's won Big Ten championships. He's he's recruited really good athletes. He's been he's been around long enough. I mean, you can you can go over the history of his coaching and and just look at his success, I would take him, what he did at Arkansas, I would take at Illinois all day long. I mean, because... Yeah, until he did it, and then you'd want more. (laughs) That's the way it is everywhere. Yeah, right, right. (laughs) 
Look, in, right, in, right, Indiana, right. all of a sudden, you know, they were going to yeah. win a championship this year. Now they're now the people are booing again. Yeah, but Scott's point is, I think we want to at least try to get to that level. Yeah, you know, win seven, well, eight games wins. a year. Yeah, five, six, seven, eight yeah, wins. I mean, yeah. five, six, seven wins, and people are like, "Well, he's such a failure." Well, give me that type of failure at Illinois year in and year out, and I guarantee you, we'd almost be erecting a statue of the guy. Yeah, well, I, I mean, the, the reason it's possible is all you got to do is look around. In our neighborhood, you got Cincinnati that's in the top five now. You've got Iowa State playing better. You got Iowa in the top. I mean, these are schools that Illinois could duplicate. They are. I mean, there there's nothing that Iowa or Iowa State's got that Illinois can't match. But the thing we can't match right now is their turnout, their fandom. Well, just give us about three years. I yeah. think it's just going to take him a while to shake things out. I think. Uh, He's doing all the right things. Certainly is, uh, you know, I love the quadrant part with the coaches out there recruiting and you got to be on the ground. You got to love to recruit. And I'm just not sure that Lovey, uh, was obviously wasn't much of that, but, uh, give, give Brett and the staff some time. And I think they'll make some inroads with these high school coaches and, and certainly get the talent on the field. Yep. I agree. Thank you, Scott. Yep, thank you. Great, great to hear from you. Thank you. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think we've got the right guy. I mean, the guy that can, if there's anybody going to do it, it's just going to take time, and hopefully it won't take as long as it has other places. But Iowa State, you look at the well, crowd at Kentucky the other night. You know, unbelievable. They, and they weren't very good for a long time. No, sir. No, know? sir. And, I, I think they were, they were yeah. winless consecutively about seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. Winless in the, in in the, the SEC, conference, yeah. in the SEC. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, I all, all he can do. I, the one thing that we forget is that we are now in the transfer portal era. There's a real chance Illinois is going to be looking hard for about five, six, seven transfers when this season's over mm. to bolster next year's team, which has more returning quality players than we thought they would have. Because we thought, I thought, you thought, I think that mm-hmm. this is a senior, 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 senior right. season, mm-hmm. and with all these seniors, that you know, that next year would be a disaster. Well, they got to find a quarterback, and they do have Sidkowski already, but they're, they're going to be looking for one. They're going to look for a couple of offensive linemen, and maybe another defensive lineman, sure. But they've got linebackers coming back. We have Hart mm-hmm. back. Uh, of course, he's he's injured right now, and they have him back along with the guys that are playing now. And this this is a, this is a team that could be decent next year if they just can find a few transfers to fit in. Yeah, and you're starting to see some of the younger players now: the McCrays, mm-hmm. the Nicholsons. You yeah. know, those kind of players. Brown's yeah. still fairly young too. Yeah, that he's using. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, have moved into the starting positions in in some ways. All right, nine fifty six. Uh, hang on, callers. We got some more coming up here. Let me get a break in though before the top of the hour. We'll get to you. We'll talk some more. We'll talk a little baseball during this next hour too. And of course, the NFL. The Bears won. How about that? The Colts won. The Packers won. Everybody wins <laughs> over the weekend. Back in a moment. Any recommendations? All right, that thing you do, that was a uh, – you saw that movie, didn't you, Lauren? Tom Hanks? You know, it's about I, the uh, one-hit wonder, the one-hit uh, wonders? I don't think so. Okay, you have to see that. It's no, pretty no. good. Yeah, Hanks is pretty good in that. So. Yeah, he's yeah. good in everything. <laughs> 
Anyway, we'll uh, talk some more about the Illini and, of course, uh, all the NFL. The Cardinals play at 7 o'clock our time Wednesday against the Dodgers, so we'll look forward to that. And the caller alerted me to something that I, I wasn't aware that the last start for Scherzer, he pitched five and a third, gave up 11 hits, six runs, and struck out four. So he wasn't very sharp in his last outing. All right, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com. Or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. Hour number two of A Penny for Your Thoughts here on this Monday. The sun has come back out and a nice day out there, 64 degrees here in east central Illinois. Good to have you with us on A Penny for Your Thoughts here today. Our Monday morning quarterback show with you for an open line tomorrow on Penny for Your Thoughts for a good part of the show. And then Wednesday, we'll have Justice Robert Steigman in for both hours. Doug Quick will join us in the second hour. Uh, next week, we'll have uh, the mayor of Urbana, Diane Marlin, on with us and some other guests coming up as well along the way. I think Judge McCuskey on with us uh, later on this month as well. We've got Lauren Tate with us today here, as we usually do on a Monday. We do the Monday Morning Quarterback Show. We're getting close to the overlap of everything with uh, Major League Baseball and the NBA volleyball. and the NHL. How about volleyball. <laughs> How about the volleyball team? Yeah. Yep. Over the weekend. One and one. Yep. And beat Purdue over in West Lafayette. Beat Purdue and, and won the first set against Wisconsin, which is really good, but couldn't hold up against them. They're too good. Yep. They'd won six in a row going into the match yesterday. So they look good. And uh, we got the basketball team looming on the horizon. Soccer team got a good two to one win. Mm -hmm. So uh, good to see all of that. Baseball team beat uh, Illinois State. Or was it Eastern Illinois? I'm sorry. Yeah, they're they, playing some fall base. I think it was. Yeah, I had a fall yeah. game the other day, and it mm -hmm. went. I don't know how many innings, mm -hmm. and the line I came back and rallied to win the game. Mm -hmm. Good to see Tyra Perry at the quarterback club yeah. the other day. Yeah. She had a really nice presentation. She's had some games too. So anyway, it's a big, big overlap. Illinois and Wisconsin at two thirty kick. Uh, I've not seen a line on that game. Somebody was asking what the line is on Wisconsin and Illinois. Uh, also, there was an article in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Mike Shannon's final game yep. yesterday, barring any playoff appearances. But they had two rain delays in that game. And he had, a, I guess, an event planned after the, after the game would be over. And he was, you know, ready to go celebrate. <laughs> they honored him before the game, uh, but he couldn't speak. He was so emotional. Yep. They gave him a golf cart. Rode around the rode around the field. Rode around the golf cart. So the Cubs were very generous to him. Uh, Willie McGee reached out his hand to slap Shannon's. Matt Carpenter doffed his cap as Shannon's new golf cart went on a tour of the warning track. He said uh, he came to speak. He teared up and he couldn't. He walked away from the podium and sat down, assisted by his wife Lori. He said later it was too emotional. I wanted to thank the fans and the players. It was a real tribute that they were out there, but uh, too emotional. And uh, Shannon is 82. He's been doing the games a long time. Yep. And uh, the, yesterday was his last scheduled game, 50 years in the uh, booth. And somebody mentioned him, uh, said he was uh, the greatest salesman that Anheuser-Busch ever had. I don't know if uh, Harry. More than Harry? More than Harry. I don't know about that. But, well, Harry's uh, been gone a long time. <laughs> and apparently the umpire in the game, 
uh, Jerry Davis yeah. was retiring as well after yeah. 40 years of umpiring. And I he had Schilt a talk to him after the game and, because uh, it was his last game. And the, the joke was that Shannon and Davis, the umpire, wanted to get to the parties, so they called the game after the seventh <laughs> inning or whatever, just ended it. But uh, no, but they did have two rain well, delays. Well, they, they had a pretty strong rain the last time, and, and they did the, the, the correct thing and, and going, you know, just calling it off and going. The game didn't mean anything anyway, right. except the Cub fans who want to. Say they beat the Cardinals. What was that stat our Cub fan out here was giving about the the Cardinals had not beaten the Cubs well, very often he in said October? That the, Card- the Cubs have won more nas- won world, more, more World Series than the Cardinals in the last eight years. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For Cub fans, this has got to be doubly tough. No, the Card- no, they, they, the, they beat the Card- they beat the I, Cardinals, so well, that's all yeah. that matters. <laughs> but I'm saying the Cardinals are in a one-game playoff at least and could go further if they Somebody's win. Somebody's got to tell us what that number is, how many years it's been since the Cardinals have had three meaningless games in the last how many years was it? At least a decade, I, I bet think. somebody's going to call yeah, us on yeah. that. I don't know if it's a decade or it's in <clears> that neighborhood. But the Cub fans have it doubly tough because the Cardinals did make it. Long winning streak to get in, and the White Sox are in the postseason too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You got their two arch rival slash enemies, both in the postseason for now. Anyway, all right, Marty's with us. How you doing, Marty? Morning, Brian. Morning, Lauren. How you guys doing? Good, pretty good. Um, well, I'll I'll uh, touch base on what you guys are talking about: chicken and the egg, and what comes first. I'm filling the football stands. You just got to recruit players, and yeah, it's tough when they go other places and the stadiums are packed, but somehow you've got to find the players, and it doesn't have to be five-star players. Wisconsin made a living on getting two- and three-star players that they spotted that were going to be better after they got them into their system and worked them through their weight program. So give them time. Bielema is the right guy, I believe, and uh, he's, you know, I lived through – when I was in high school, Bob Blackman was there, and I, for a dollar I could get a horseshoe seat at a football game. It wasn't packed. And by the time I was coaching football at Villa Grove, Mike White was there, and the place was packed every week, and it was a fun place to be. So it can happen, and, and let's hope it happens again. On the uh, baseball front, a couple things. Um, one, Max Muncy's out for the game Wednesday, and he's going to be out for the division series, too, if, if they beat the Cardinals. And that's a big out because he's their left-handed power bat along with Seager. That throws so that Pujols into the lineup, doesn't it? It throws Pujols in the lineup. Yes, it, I would think it would. And uh, that's okay. I'll say that's okay because he has a flair for the dramatic, but I, at this age, he's not the bat that Muncy is against Wainwright's breaking balls. So... The other thing to keep in mind is this game starting at 5 o'clock L.A. time. Mm-hmm. Both pitchers are going to have about one or two, maybe three innings where batters are going to see the ball well, and after that the spin on the ball is going to be real hard to pick up because of that start time because the shadows are going to come mm-hmm. into play. So you better get to the pitchers early. Uh, what, uh, what did you hear about Scherzer's last start? Five and a well, third innings, 11 start, hits. last yeah, his last two starts haven't been good, and the last one was really not good. But that's still Max Scherzer, and I haven't heard anything about injury. Uh, so I'm just guessing maybe, you know, every pitcher has a bad start. I watched Scherzer get beat in 2019 down in St. Louis. Tommy Edmond took him deep, and they beat him like 5-1. So, And then the last time he was against St. Louis, 11 strikeouts, and they didn't hardly touch him. So who knows? 
Lauren, it's baseball. One game, who knows? Yeah. No, it really is. That's what makes me. It's just. It's not a best. You know, it's a best of one. I mean, it's. <laughs> yeah, and the good. The good thing is, uh, the Dodgers in a best of five have too much talent for the Cardinals. I think, even though the Cardinals are hot, the Giants, on the other hand, the Cardinals beat four out of six times. And of course, that doesn't mean anything either. But they match up pretty well with the Giants if they can get by that game. So we'll see what happens. It's yeah, good to be there, though. Who thought we were going to win seventeen? Yeah. No, to even be there, it is an accomplishment. For where they were, and you know, a month thought, and a half ago. Who thought the last five games of the season were going to be meaningless? Yeah, you know, when they were making that run. It, mm-hmm. you know, so stuff happens, guys. Stuff happens. You're right. Make it a great day. Thank you, sir. Day. Appreciate, appreciate right. it, Marty. Good to hear from you. On a penny for your thoughts. Ten seventeen. We're doing our Monday morning quarterbacking today. Justice Robert Steigman with us for both hours coming up on Wednesday. Again, Alabama and Georgia still the top two teams in the AP College football poll. Iowa now number three. Penn State is number four, and they play this weekend in Iowa City. Number five, Cincinnati, its highest ranking in 12 years. Oklahoma, Ohio State, Oregon, Michigan, and Brigham Young round out the top ten. Clemson is out of the AP top 25 for the first time since 2014. They had been ranked in 107. I wonder what happened there. I don't know. I mean, they were so dominant, it's just hard to imagine that all of a sudden they, they fell off. They had been ranked for 107 consecutive polls. Yeah. <laughs> and in the top 10 for a lot of that. Some other uh, miscellaneous numbers, and you can jump in here at any point. We've had some more texts that have come in, too, during the news, texts and emails. So we'll get to that. Uh, somebody tells me Wisconsin's an eight-and-a-half favorite. Uh, we'll hear more from Brent Musburger's uh, group here in a little bit, a little later in the show. Uh, Buster Posey yesterday with his 1,500th career hit yesterday for the Giants. Uh, Trey Turner with his second Grand Slam in less than 48 hours in the Dodgers win. He finished with a 328 average. And the Dodgers with 106 wins, the most for a second-place team in Major League history. That so, Trey Turner is the most overlooked player in the league. He's leading the league in steals. He's got RBIs and runs. He's, he's got total bases. He's got a lot of stuff. And the Dodgers are just so loaded. Anyway. Yeah, they are. I mean, they can they can plug in guys all the time. Uh, the Mariners eliminated on the last day, of course, uh, Shohei Otani with his 46th home run. They were talking about him a little bit, you know, the, all the home runs he's had. He throws nearly 100 miles an hour. Is he MVP? He probably is. And he stole 24 We've bases. never had to judge anything like this where you've got to, <laughs> to judge the pitching and the hitting. Would he be the MVP if he was only a hitter? Yeah. Well, he, you know, maybe he'd be second or third. Babe Ruth did a little bit of both. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A long time ago. A long time ago. <laughs> and uh, George Springer with two home runs. Blue Jays beat the Orioles 12-4. to Vladimir Guerrero with his 48th home run. There's the other another candidate. Toronto this year, when they finally got to play at home in Canada, went 25-11 and at the Rogers Center at home. Mm-hmm. And they had to play some games in uh, Dunedin, Florida. They went 10-11 and 11 there. They went 12-11 and 11 in Buffalo, but had a much better record at the Rogers Center but fell a game short for the postseason. And here's a big number for you. Tom Brady, the leading passer now in NFL history. 80,000? 80,560 yards <laughs> in his career. Who's counting? <laughs> 80,000 yards for Tom Brady. And he has now defeated every team in the NFL, all 32 teams along the way. 
and there's just a handful of players that have done that. And you know, uh, I he doesn't get hit very often. No, he doesn't. I mean, he gets rid of the ball, and even when he ran for that first down, he kind of dove. A guy kind of hit him from the side a little bit, but didn't hurt him. I mean, he he avoids contact. He, he, I mean, that's why he's able to. That's why he's lasted so long. He gets rid of the ball so mm-hmm. quick, and he always finds an open receiver. It makes you wonder: Is he throwing to the first guy he sees, or is he is he looking and does he see the field? I know the answer: He sees the field, and he's throwing to the open guy. He's the fourth quarterback to beat all thirty-two NFL teams: Drew Brees, Brett Favre, Peyton Manning, the other three. So, and now he's the all-time. You got to be traded to do that. That's right. There you go. On Peyton Manning wound up elsewhere too. So, mm-hmm. so. yeah. Anyway, those are some of the numbers: the Bears, Justin Fields. First career win, 373 total yards and a 24-14 decision over the Lions. He was 11 of 17, 209 yards. Aaron Rodgers connected with Randall Cobb, two touchdowns, ran for another one. Packers won their third straight over the Steelers, 27-17. And the Colts won by the same score over Miami. i got to ask you, though, when you saw that football, that field goal attempt um, by the Patriots, Doink off the left upright. Did you suddenly think that it just it wasn't meant to be that when, if Brady is in the game, he's got to win? Is that is that what you thought? <laughs> yep. I, I mean, exactly. If the ball's two feet to the right, he loses. And how does that change what we're talking about? Yeah, I know. Isn't that amazing? It just comes down to one one play. Yeah, and so many of those NFL games do. It's such a much better league in in terms better so much better than college in terms of the games are all so close. We see a lot of we see a lot of games in college that are lopsided, but you don't see that many in the NFL. Dak, uh, Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, productive. The uh, Cowboys handed the Panthers their first loss, thirty six twenty eight. Prescott four touchdowns. Andy Reid, the first NFL coach with a hundred wins for two different franchises. Yeah. By the way, I got one for you here. Buffalo forty. Houston zero. Yep. Lovey's defense gave up 450 yards and uh, 26. Now listen, 26 first downs. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot of first downs. <laughs> so Lovey's having problems again defensively. Saquon Barkley, former Penn State Lion, with a six-yard touchdown run in overtime. The Giants got a win. Kyler Murray, 268 yards, two touchdowns. Cardinals beat the Rams, 37-20. The uh, Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals, 4-0 for the first time in nine years. Browns beat the Vikings 14-7. Ravens beat the uh, Broncos 23-7. Lamar Jackson, 316 yards. Uh, and Baltimore ran for 100 yards for the 43rd straight game. Yeah, they, I guess, you know, they had uh, they, they had time to take a knee, okay? They had 97 yards. Time to take a knee, and they ran an, a sweep for five yards. And the runner stopped after making five yards. So they knew what was up. They wanted to get 100 again. That's a kind of, what would you think if you're the other team? (laughs) You know, they're supposed to kneel. They're supposed to be in victory formation. Yeah, they're in victory formation, but they weren't. 43 straight games over 100 yards rushing for Baltimore. Ties the NFL uh, record set by the Steelers in the 1970s. It's interesting to hear John Harbaugh talk about that afterwards. In fact, how much it meant to the players. Mm -hmm. That's why he did it. Because, hmm. it, you know, it's something that they wanted to keep going. Sure, absolutely. All right, we need a break here. 10-24, we're with you on a penny for your thoughts this morning. Just discussing all the overlapping sports now, the NFL and college football. 
And the Illini, of course, and basketball not far off as well, less than three weeks from that. And uh, we'll rejoin you here in a moment. First, this time out on A Penny for Your Thoughts on a Monday. Peters under center. Illinois, after the missed field goal, has it first and 10 at their own 20. Brown in the backfield. He was the workhorse last drive. Gets the handoff. Big hole left side. 30. Up he goes. 35, 40. Left sideline. 50. One man to beat. 30. 20. 10. 5. Touchdown. 80 yards. Chase Brown. He just simply outran the 49ers down the left sideline. They tried to catch him in vain. That, by the way, was uh, tied for the 10th, I think, longest single rushing touchdown in Illinois history. We're going to check the book on a couple of other things related to it. I will tell you that one of our sponsors here on A Penny for Your Thoughts, Castle Home Comfort. And uh, if you happen to be a first responder, this is especially for you. 8950 tune-up for both your furnace and your air conditioner for next spring. So if you're a first responder, just let them know that. When you give them a call, 217-352-2800, just tell them I'm a first responder, and they'll be happy to assist you with an 8950 tune-up, two for the price of one on your furnace and your air conditioner. Don't forget, of course, the $79 service fee on all uh, calls, regardless of the day or night, time of the day or whatever. Technicians on call 24-7. Our goal is your comfort, they say. They've been doing this for four decades. They've worked on practically all heating and cooling brands and models. It's the folks at Castle Home Comfort, 217-352-2800, 217-352-2800, locally owned and operated. Have you found something, Mr. Taylor? Well, the longest, it wouldn't surprise me at all to tell you that Buddy Young had the longest run from scrimmage for Illinois. He had 93 yards against Great Lakes and 92 against Pittsburgh. When Buddy Young got out, nobody caught him. <laughs> And then uh, Harry Jefferson in uh, 1954 had an 89, and it goes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 9 runs over 80. And then you, at, at 80, you've got uh, three more. So that, that's one of the longest runs in mm-hmm. history, of course. Um, Ray Nitschke, here's an odd one. Ray Nitschke ran 84 yards for a touchdown against Northwestern. Ray Nitschke, out of fullback position. Wow. Yeah. Buddy Young's got another one, 82. So Buddy's got 93, 92, 82. And I will tell you, he was something else. So, I mean, when Buddy Young started around right end, he might wind up around left end. If, he, if, if there was trouble there, he'd just turn around and run the other direction. Yeah. He was had amazing. Had a little Barry Sanders in him, maybe? Well, he had, yeah, he had some incredible speed, mm-hmm. obviously. He was a NCAA track champion, that'll mm-hmm. tell you. Mm-hmm. He's the fastest guy in the country at, mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. At least, yeah, those, in, at least in college. Once he was out, he was free. <laughs> he, he, was, he was on the run. Yeah, he had a great pro career, too. Well, those are some great runs and some great history there. Uh, let's see here. What else do I have? Uh, topic for a future show. I'd like to have Lauren answer this question. Men's basketball, each of the coaches have either had success or struggled due to recruiting. Which, With each of the coaches Lauren has covered, who was the key recruit? that either led to the coach's success or downfall. I enjoy your show, Larry from Springfield. You can With think about that. coach? <laughs> yeah, you can think about it. There was there a key recruit. Yeah. Well, like for Lou Henson getting I, Eddie Johnson out of, that was, you know, that was a big one for him. That was big. 
Yeah, you know? that that was that was big because it led to other things. I think mm-hmm. that yeah, that that was huge. And you think about maybe Kruger with the Peoria, getting you know, think Marcus Griffin and those guys. Yeah, I I think that all three. I I think Frank followed because the other two. Well, Griff went to junior college. Yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it'd be that, interesting. Yeah, I'd have to think about that. Yeah, It'd be an interesting article, maybe, or an interesting um, doing you think about it going back. Yeah, I, I, the interesting thing about the Eddie Johnson was it's so cru- crucial to get him out of Chicago. But Eddie would tell you, and it's probably true, that Mark Smith for the first two years when they came in together, he was a better player. Mm-hmm. Totally, he was a better defensive player, a better passer, better ball handler. But Eddie was a shooter, and Eddie was always a shooter. Mm-hmm. He kept that going. He scored a lot of points oh, man. in the NBA. Yeah. yeah, he did. He got better and better and better. <laughs> 10.32, time for Michael Kaiser, the news update. And we're on a penny for your thoughts here today, our Monday morning quarterback show. And we'll uh, come back with more with your phone calls, emails, and text here in early October. A nice sunny day here, at least trying to break through the clouds. Here's Michael. The more explosive plays we can get, the better. And, um, you know, of course, that play was a backed-up play. We were kind of backed up, and, you know, that was a big shot. And um, that, that just goes with momentum and, you know, practice. You know, me and Mooney, we, we stay almost every day after practice to, to throw at least a few extra routes. So, you know, me and him are pretty much always on the same page. And, um, you know, he, he had a great day today. He, he, he bought up. All right. We're on Penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400 DWS 1038. By the way, Chase Brown, the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, just announced by the Big Ten Conference a little bit ago, fourth most in a single game for Illinois, the third most by a running back in college football this season. Ohio State's Trayvon Henderson had 277 against Tulsa. Kenneth Walker from Michigan State had 264 against Northwestern. By the way, they're talking up Walker for Heisman, just hmm. in case you... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame Michigan State for pushing him. He's a transfer from USC. Hmm. And he's doing really well for uh, Michigan State. We could use some more of those guys from USC. Some of them worked sure. out. Sure. really worked out good. I, when, I, uh, when I think about Peter's best passing games, mm-hmm. who was on the receiving end? It matter, baby. You bet. Yep. And, uh, by the way, this surprised me a little bit. Uh, Brett Bielema, 13 years as a head coach, the 257 yards by Chase Brown, the most by a running back coached by Brett Bielema. Really? You'd have thought with all the yeah. Wisconsin backs yeah. they had that there would well, be more. They had a lot that were close to 200, I bet. But mm-hmm. they, that 80-yard run really added up a lot, of, a lot of numbers, didn't it? It certainly did. Uh, 217-356-9397 is our number. Got some interesting numbers on Wisconsin and Illinois. I'll share those here in a moment. Let's go to Alan. Good morning, Alan. Morning, and thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, you brought up Buddy Young, and I don't know a lot about him, but I think he's a very historical figure in Illinois football. Um, what era did he play? In- well, he played in '44 as a, as a rookie, and then he. Uh, Went to service, and he came back and played again in 46. I remember Ray Elliott telling me one time that you had to re-recruit him because he was in the service about a year, and then they brought him back in 1946. Is he in the – he's in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, is that correct? Yes. And the College Football Hall of Fame? I, mean, I don't know about like the College Football Hall of Fame. Figure. He could be. I, I just don't know. To me, 
it just seems like he's really an important figure in, in Illinois football. Yeah. Is he the first African-American um, player at Illinois or not? Well, I don't think he was the first, but he was among the first, but I don't know. I never had him, I've never known him to be described as the first. The first was a player from oh boy. I can't remember. I know who it is when you tell me, but I can't remember his name anymore. He was a player from the west side of the state. Um, But I'm sorry, I can't remember. I'll do some digging on my own. I, he brought up the name, and I and I thought uh, he, he certainly has earned a lot of respect from Illinois fans. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yep. No, very good. Thank you, Alan. Good call. Appreciate it. By the way, you were looking for longest kickoff returns. Yeah. Uh, we don't have many kickoff returns anymore, but Viangelo Bentley ran for 100 against Southern Illinois. Yeah. 2013. Travis Williams and Eugene Wilson in uh, 2002. Travis Wilson, uh, Travis Williams ran ninety yards. Wilson laddered it to him after running ten. But tell me the one about Uremovich and Perrin. Yeah, that was one. Uh, Uremovich versus Indiana in 1972, 98 yards total. Okay. Lonnie Perrin went eleven. Uremovich went eighty-seven. He and he threw it all the way across the field. Uh, Perrin went off on the right-hand side, threw it all the way back on the left-hand side. Uremovich caught it was a lateral, and he caught it and ran the rest yep. of the way. Uh, Pierre Thomas went for 99 against Western Michigan, and Pierre was a really good kick returner. He was return. a really good kickoff return guy. He wouldn't even matter now because you, you know what, kick everybody off. kicks it over their head. James Coleman, 1977, mm-hmm. at Michigan State, went 98 yards. Mm-hmm. A.J. Jenkins went 96 against Indiana in 08. Cecil Young in 61 well, that's one ran one know. back 96. Mm-hmm. John Karras. At Ohio State, 1949, ran about 95 yards. Red Grange, 95 against Michigan. Really? <laughs> in 24, yeah, what a shock. Steve Havard, 94 yards against Indiana on a kickoff. I think when I think about the Grange thing, I, he, he returned at 95 yards for a touchdown. What do you think was the next thing that happened? They kicked off to him again. Again, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just said, well, he can't do that again. We'll kick off to him and dig him, put him in the hole. It is amazing. And here's a couple of numbers here on Wisconsin and Illinois. Uh, the Badgers' offense is averaging 18.5 points a game. Okay, the Illini offense is averaging 20 points a game. Yards per game, 350 for the Badgers. Illinois, 349. Oh, really? Yards per game. Mm-hmm. Passing yards per game, Wisconsin, 189. Illinois, 168. It would be a passing okay. game. I don't think the, I, the teams don't want to pass, but they're going to have to pass. Rushing yards, Illinois, 181. Wisconsin, 161. Okay, so far, average. Uh, yards per pass, Illinois, 5.6. Wisconsin, 6.3. And yards per rush, Illinois 4.4. This is for the whole season. Yards per rush, Wisconsin 3.7. wonder how much that went up on Saturday for Illinois. (laughs) And the third down percentage, this is interesting. On third down, Illinois is 43%. Wisconsin is 25% on third down. Isn't that something? If you you force them into a must-pass situation, they haven't been effective. And the turnovers, and Lauren, you mentioned this, Illinois had four turnovers this year on offense. And Wisconsin's had 10. So there you go. And yep. uh, we see everywhere from 8.5 to 9.5, somebody said the line is. So I don't know. We'll uh, we'll get the uh, line from Brent Musburger, our friend out in uh, 
Las Vegas now, the voice of the Las Vegas Raiders, and he also runs a little shop out there with with uh, odds. So here you go. Let's take a break. That goes back to uh, what we talked about internally for the whole week is whatever I can do for for the the best thing for for the Bears, um, whatever that is. And I think that uh, again for for us, I think big picture, so we all understand it is, um, you know. The, the offense in general, we get together on Monday as a staff, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We go through everything together. And ultimately, it goes through me, right? Everything that we do, regardless of, of anything else, who's calling this, who's calling that, it goes through me. That was Matt Nagy, the Bears coach, talking about the offense yesterday and the win over the Detroit Lions. All right, I uh, got a text here, and then we'll get to another call. At this point, a listener says, I'm not sure Art, talking about Sitkowski, could possibly do any less than Peters. The kid just seems rattled. The confidence isn't there. The timing's not even close. I understand the lack of receivers, but a lot of the throws aren't catchable. Talking about Peters, I guess, even though they do manage to create space. Like Lauren alluded to, we aren't beating Wisconsin without being able to throw the ball. You won't beat any or many Big Ten teams without being able to at least throw the ball a little bit. Our next QB may not even be on this year's team, but we have six games left for the year. It's time to hand the keys off to somebody else for the rest of the year. All right, some thoughts about that. Uh, Also, uh, hi, Brian and Lauren. Could you tell me why they took away the drum line before the players come out of the tunnel? I do not know the answer to that. Don't know. And why are there no fireworks this year after TDs? I don't know that either be something to ask uh, Cassie and Kent when they're here uh, later this week. WDWS does a great job as the flagship station on Illinois Athletics. Great pregame and postgame shows. Brian on the games. Will DWS continue to cover the University of Illinois Athletics for the foreseeable future? I sure hope so. Uh, that is the plan. Uh, let's see here. Hi, gentlemen. Happy Monday. I've been going to the football games regularly since 1979. All the Illini's success since then has coincided with a reliable offensive line, defensive line, and quarterback. Even in 87, Scott Moore and Menkhausen were serviceable before George took over in 1988. So we got that one. And somebody mentions, I think Silky Sullivan went 100 yards against Michigan up there, but that was with an interception return. Yeah, that sound right. Yeah, I don't remember. I thought he caught it in the end zone, but I maybe, I think he went a hundred yards. Mm. I think that was the ball deflected, um, and Sullivan caught it, and uh, that was a, that was the. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. That was the only time that Pete beat uh, beat his brother, uh, Pete Elliott, mm. and uh, they won. And and he dove in a snowbank. I do remember there was snow all around the field, yeah. and. Um, Dove into a snowbank. Wow. Yeah. Well, he he ran all the way through the end zone yeah. on the other end and, and drove in the snowbank. But, but um, <laughs> let me get. Uh, all right. No, gun. You're going back so many years here. I I can't remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, if anybody would remember, it's you. Well, so, I remember yeah, that play, yeah, yeah. and yeah. I remember that Michigan shouldn't have thrown. Yeah. I mean, I know that they they could have won the game without scoring a touchdown. That they yeah. threw a pass that was intercepted, and mm-hmm. and uh, that would have been. Let's see, that would have been in 1963. Was that 63? No. I'll have to look it up. I don't know. We'll look it up. All right. Somebody mentions Levi Cobb was the first good recruit of Lou Henson to turn the program around. Mm -hmm. That was important. Yes, uh, for sure. Levi Cobb, he was a good one. 
All right. Well, that was that year at uh, the win at Michigan was um, November 5, 1966, hmm. and the score was 21 all. And all they had to do was kick a field goal to win the game, and they threw a pass, and it was deflected and uh, returned for a touchdown, 100 yards, and the Illinois won 28-21. On Silky Sullivan. Well, you're, you're given the nickname there, and, and yeah. I, <laughs> that's what I they, know that's his what name. They... <laughs> it. You're making it so hard for me here. Uh, all right. Yeah. All right, Illinois. Illinois is in the draft in 1967. 60. Let's see if I can find it. Well, Bruce right. Sullivan. Bruce Sullivan. Yeah, who's okay. by the way up uh, from uh, Paxton, I think, or Watsika, okay. one of those. Up, he's he's a local guy, hmm. and uh, he re- he's he was known as Silky Sullivan. There you go. All right, let's go to Dolores. Good morning, Dolores. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. I was uh, responding to the gentleman who was talking about uh, Buddy Young. Mm-hmm. Well, Ike Owens was the first African-American to play at Illinois in 1947 as a defensive end. Well, and no, that, that's not Gary right, Indiana. ma'am. Ma'am, ma'am we, had, we had several uh, black players before uh, Ike Owens. I mean, we had we had players before World War II, and 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 okay. and, and and Owens. You're right. Uh, I mean, Ike Owens was a terrific defensive end. I remember him really well. But and he was on uh, he was on a very good Illinois football team. But let me see. Let me check the years that Owens actually played. Uh, he and, he played in forty six and, and forty. He played in forty six yeah. and forty seven. He and Buddy Young played together in forty six. And Buddy Young was the first African American to play in the NFL from Illinois. Oh, okay, that could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So supposedly Ike Owens from Gary, Indiana, mm-hmm. was the Illini's first black. So check it out, and I'll listen for it. All right. Thank you, Dolores. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you listening. We've had the uh, media guide working hard today. At yeah. Ten fifty four. Here on a penny for your thoughts. Do want to mention the high school football. Hi, Brian and Lauren. The Muhammad Seymour Bulldogs, another huge win. They won at Quincy Notre Dame. The Bulldogs, Rockets, and Sages are all still undefeated. And Unity's going to play Monticello here pretty Last soon. Last game of the season. Last game of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Could be a, maybe a state final preview. So we'll see, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be there. At, the, at, the, at Monticello. Yeah, at the bet a meal or something on that. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, uh, but the Bulldogs with a win uh, over uh, Quincy Notre Dame, I think that surprised some people they, if you weren't sure about uh, Muhammad uh, Seymour's football team. Uh, see By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble with my memory here on some of these. I can't remember who the first black uh, Illinois football player was, but I saw the Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga singing thing yesterday, and that's one of the most amazing – it was on 60 Minutes. It's the most, one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. He's got He's got – Total. He he has no recall at all, hmm. and yet when he starts singing his song, he sang an hour straight of songs and knew every word, knew every knew what to do in every case. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. How where how your mind works? Yeah, Tony. Yeah. And and he doesn't. He didn't know two days later that he even did it. Wow. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. I, but he was so I he was so outstanding in that effort. 
and and I think remarkable. it's remarkable. Yeah, Tony Bennett. Uh, Texter says, given the long kickoff, should the kicking teams be required to kick from further back? Yeah, well, maybe. I mean, I think they're trying to take the kickoff out of the game because they don't There's like too the many collisions. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that I don't think they want the kickoff. Do you? I don't think they do either. That's the whole reason they've yeah basically eliminate. I mean, I mean, in the sense that you can fair catch it and get it at the twenty-five. Well, Brian, yeah. they used to kick off from the forty. Yeah. Then they moved it back, and and once in a while somebody'd kick it out of the end zone. But then they started kicking off from the 35, and, and once in a while, somebody – and now they're all getting it out of the end zone. I mean, everybody's kicking that ball so deep. Not everybody, but the really good kickers are kicking it right beyond the receivers. Over their heads in some cases, not even, yeah. not even close. Yeah. Who was the, um, the game I was watching late, and somebody was trying to come back, and they only had a few seconds left, and the guy took a knee at the like, nine-yard line. Well, and, and he's not he supposed to, to take a knee. He meant to fair catch. He took a knee. He took a knee. Oh well, he just gave up sixteen yards. Well, how'd you, you know? like? Wasn't it the Nebraska game where the guy caught the caught the ball on the uh, on the goal line and then was, was tackled for a safety by Joe? When that Joseph got a safety on that, <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I like having no fireworks. They always startled me and my kids. <laughs> okay. What's their says? <laughs> Um, somebody said, uh, hi, Lauren, you eat, you need to eat more fish. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Does that help with memory? I, guess? I don't know. If it... <laughs> I definitely need to eat more fish though, regardless. <laughs> and uh, most popular guy in a bad team, backup quarterback. That's right. So always, always the backup quarterback. Speaking of quarterbacks, Chicago Bears head coach Matt Nagy said this morning that Andy Dalton will start against the Raiders if he's healthy. Hmm. Why? According to Daniel Greenberg. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. After yesterday? Yeah. I I don't know. Well, he was 11 (laughs) out of 17, but it was over 200 yards, Brian. If it -hmm. was 11 out of 17 for 100 yards, that's one thing. He's getting the ball down the field. Yeah. He threw some missiles down there. Yeah. I think it was like 208 or 9 yards. (laughs) And let's see here. Somebody asked, uh, off Illinois topic, but wonder if Southern Cal would consider the Cincinnati coach, Luke Fickle. Well, of course he now he has Cincinnati in the national championship conversation. That's Jerry from Urbana. So, all right. Well, um, appreciate all the phone, a lot of texts and emails here today more than anything else, and we appreciate that. Appreciate the phone calls too that came in. And Lauren, I guess we'll learn more about uh, what's going to happen this week with um, Brett Bielema's press conference coming up. Homecoming, of course, two yeah. thirty kickoff. He's got a one o'clock press conference, and he'll tell us that. Uh, one of the players on his football team is going to start at quarterback. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Don't you think? Yep. This day in 1940, the movie Newt Rockney, All-American, starring Ronald Reagan as George Gipper Gip, premiered on this day in 1940. Here's a problem when we try to figure out who's the first black football player at Illinois. Mm-hmm. This is from Mike Pearson. In 1904, 1904 that is, a guy by the name of Wheeler and another guy by the name of Young. Yep. Hiram Hannibal Wheeler and Roy Mercer Young broke the color barrier at the Urbana-Champaign campus. <laughs> it goes back. <laughs> Integrating varsity rosters. So, you know, yeah. that's a long time ago. That is. Hey, Lauren, thank you. Okay. Enjoyed it very much. Go eat some fish, right? <laughs> <They say. laughs> All right. And uh, you've got a great memory, by the oh. way. All right, anyway. Uh, WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We're back with more tomorrow on Penny.